Well, good morning. Happy Sunday. How many of you love Jesus today? It's always a good thing to be able to acknowledge, take an opportunity to say that we love Jesus and he loves us back, which is even a more powerful uh, truth. Want to let you know that some great things are happening here at Emmanuel. Over the past couple weeks, we had our youth that went to camp, and, uh, and we had about close to 300 of our youth that were at camp. We had physical healings that happened, over a couple dozen salvations that happened, baptisms in the Holy Spirit, a lot of great, powerful things uh, that God has done in our youth. I think that's a great moment to clap if you ask me, so... And then this past, uh, this past week, we had our kids that went to kids camp and also had an incredible time there. Uh, that's also a great moment to clap. I'll help you with your cues. I think we had about 170 of our kids from Emmanuel. We were the red team, if you didn't notice. And uh, great time of having fun, connecting and friendship and a powerful time of meeting with the Lord. And then on the home front, uh, yesterday was Analia and my 23rd wedding anniversary. And so, some of you are like, who's that guy standing next to Analia in the picture? Yes, I did have hair at one point on the top of my head. I was born without it, and I've already uh, gone back full circle. And, uh, but Analia wins the prize for uh, love, patience, grace, and uh, it's been quite the journey. We love what God has crafted as a story for us, and uh, the theme of our story is God's grace and favor on our lives. Have two kids, Santiago is 18, and then Zoe is 15, and love that we get to celebrate milestone moments. It's always good to celebrate. Find an opportunity to celebrate and say, thank you, God. And then if you can celebrate eating some good cheesecake, do it. Cheesecake is a good way to celebrate as well. We uh, got to go last night and uh, had some fogo de chao. I don't know if you guys have ever, uh, Brazilian steakhouse, which is a good Midwesterner. I want to let you know that we did use a gift card, so don't judge me uh, on that. And uh, you know, they got the little coasters where you flip them green, red, and, and we're going we're gonna to do that at our home too now. We're just going to have coasters and keep the food coming. Um, love the, the journey of being able to celebrate highlights and milestone moments and some of the great significant moments in our journey. Uh, we all have kind of our highlight reel of, of the things that are favorite memories and, and uh, trips and, and birthdays and anniversaries and and uh, we curate our timeline and uh, what we display and show. And, uh, it, and it would not probably be the best idea to, to uh, post some of our fights or, some, you know, or, to, or to try to you know, solve things on social media. Um, that, wouldn't, that wouldn't be wise. So don't do it if you're thinking about doing it. But I love the fact that we can be honest and say, hey, there's been highs and there's been lows and there's been uh, great moments and there's been hard moments. And uh, the truth be told, I don't trust couples that don't fight. Someone's lying. You're not loving well if you're not fighting, right? And so it's got to be fair fights, but there needs to be um, progress that's made through some of the tensions and the frictions and the differences. And 
And uh, I love how honest God's word is because when it tells the story of God's people, it doesn't just give us a highlight reel of curated images and everything's perfect and everything is, is incredible. It gives us the stories of great victories and success and miracles, but then it also shows us that there is some, that the struggle is real and that there, there are moments of frustration and there's moments of tension and there's moments of, of anger and there's moments of confusion and questions. And I love that scripture is as transparent as it is because I can relate to that. And today as we jump into our first, our fourth message in the book of Exodus, as we continue the series on the book of Exodus, The Great Escape, uh, today's message is titled Faith for Today. Can you say that? Faith for today. And uh, we're going to look at a few miracles that happen. Actually, three miracles of provision and one miracle of breakthrough and overcoming that's going to happen. But just as a little bit of a recap, the book of Exodus, Pastor Nate spoke the first two weeks and Pastor Darren this past week. Encourage you to go and, and review it. You can uh, you know catch up if you haven't been here for one of the weeks. Moses was born uh, to a family that was in slavery in Egypt, the people of Israel. And then he was spared and he was adopted by the Pharaoh's daughter, grew up as a prince. And then at one point out of uh, his, his sense of justice, he, he, he oversteps and, uh, and kills an Egyptian who is mistreating an Israelite and, uh, and then ends up having to flee as a fugitive. And he goes and he lives on the backside of a mountain tending his father-in-law's flock of sheep. That's where God finds him when he's 80 years old. And, uh, and God shows up in a burning bush and says, Moses, I have heard the pleas and the, and the cries of the people of Israel. And I want to respond to that. I want to do something about it. I want to bring freedom. I want to bring an answer of deliverance to the people of Israel. And I'm going to use you. Pastor Nate helped to paint the picture of this whole series where uh, God sees and knows each of us. God sees you. God knows you. And then God is writing a story that is larger and it includes you and it includes me. Amen. And so God speaks to Moses. Moses gives him all the excuses of why God is wrong, why God can't use him. And then God says, you know what? We're going to do this. And uh, he says, what do you have in your hand? He has a stick, a staff that he's used for shepherding. And he says, throw it to the ground, throws it to the ground, turns into a snake. He says, grab the snake. I, I would have probably asked, is that you, God, or is this the devil that's trying to trick me? What's going on, right? But Moses was certain, this is God. So he, goes, he grabs a snake, turns back into a staff. Then he, he's got a few other signs. He says, okay, now I'm going to send you, and I want you to confront Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go. And Moses goes, and then uh, Aaron, his brother, is there and helps serve as an interpreter for him. And, uh, and there's this dual uh, between Pharaoh and Pharaoh's magicians and then and sorcerers and then Moses. And there's 10 plagues and God shows that he is sovereign over each of the elements in Egypt and also the different faith objects or gods of Egypt. And, uh, and, and then finally Pharaoh gets to the point where he's like, okay, please leave. And they start heading out and, uh, and God takes them, not the straightest route. How many know that God doesn't always uh, guide us on straight lines? God loves a scenic route. Have you ever noticed that? And uh, that's how he guides us, right? He's like, hey, check this out. We're not, gonna, we're, we're not in a hurry. Just come with me. Come join me for the journey, right? And so he doesn't take him the, the quickest way to the land of promise, but he takes him by way of the sea, the Red Sea or the Sea of Reeds. 
And, uh, and, and then they're confronted by the, an army that's behind them and the sea that's in front of them and an obstacle. And, they, and, and God says to Moses, reach out that staff. And uh, he reaches it out and proclaims, and the waters are split. They're able to cross, and God delivers them. And now they're free from captivity, from slavery, but they've not yet arrived to the land of promise. And that's, that's a pretty accurate snapshot of what life is like for us. Because God has saved us and he continues to lead us and we have not yet arrived to the fulfillment of all of his promises for our life. Amen? And we pick up the story in Exodus chapter 15, verse 22, uh, after a song of deliverance that they've sung in, in the beginning of the chapter. Then Moses led the people of Israel away, away from the Red Sea and they moved out into the desert of Shur. They traveled in this desert for three days without finding any water. So first they were afraid of water because they were, it was a huge obstacle, a sea in front of them. And now they really miss water. They're thirsty. They're, uh, they're, they're, they're getting, their throats are getting really parched and dry. They're starting to, to feel weak because of, they're not hydrated and they, and they get frustrated. And we're going to read about a little bit of what happens as the cup gets tipped over, what's on the inside comes out, right? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And God is about to lead them on a journey of revelation and of self-discovery. And that journey happens in the desert. Now, the desert plays a key role in this whole story. The book of Exodus covers a few years of time it doesn't cover uh, the, the whole 40 years of going around in the desert. It actually covers from the moment they leave, they've got a, 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 about a couple months before they reach Sinai. Then they're at Sinai during three months. God downloads his law and his values and his principles and his MO for how his people need to live. And then he, he's about 11 days away from the promised land but that shortest leg of the journey for them, they could have made it in 11 days, but they ended up getting stuck and having to relearn the lessons of the desert. Wilderness wisdom for 40 years. Not because the desert was impassable, not because the desert was impossible, but because their own mindset needed to change to where they could inherit the promises of God. Sometimes it's not our circumstances that keeps us stuck. Most of the time, it's what's going on up here that keeps us stuck on the same test in the same chapter, and we're not able to move forward. In the desert, in, in Scripture, it's going to show up so many different times. It's a place of revelation. It's, it's not just a place. It's a school. It's a place that speaks of, of process, how God leads and guides. It's a place of revelation. It says in Deuteronomy 8:2, remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness for 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. The desert is a place of testing. Jesus was tested for 40 days after the Jordan River. He was tested by the enemy with different temptations. What kind of a Messiah would he be? But he overcame where humanity failed. In his 40 days, he was able to come out intact and in the power of the Spirit. We get stuck in the desert. 
Because we say, yeah, that really sounds like a great idea. I want to turn a, a rock into a loaf of bread. I want to use God's power to serve myself, to feed myself. And our appetites hijack our decisions. And then all of a sudden, we've stopped following God's voice and we're following our own inclinations. And that's why we get stuck in the desert in a roundabout stage and season. The desert speaks of focus, speaks of definition. It's a place where all distractions are stripped away. All the things that are comfortable and familiar are removed. And all that's left is ourselves and God. And the place of honesty and having to listen and define who are we and who is he in our lives. Hosea 2.14 in, in a, a, a prophetic way speaks of the love of God for unfaithful Israel. And he says, but then I will win her back once again. I will lead her into the desert and speak tenderly to her there. The wilderness in our own story, the desert in our own story might represent moments of frustration, moments of confusion, moments of waiting, moments of questions, moments of opportunity for focus, an opportunity to discover who God is and to also come to grips with who we are and what our condition is. It's the moment where we get tipped over and we're confronted with what's on the inside. In the case of Israel, they had complaining, they had bitterness, they had nostalgia, they had drama, they had uh, an attitude against anyone that was in authority or leadership over them. When they got in that place of testing, that's what came out. But today we have an opportunity to, in our desert, lean in and listen for his voice. And I just want to give you a word of, of, uh, of encouragement. The desert does not have to be your final chapter. It does not have to be your final destination. You can make it through. The desert is a necessary chapter in our story because it's a place of growth. In fact, when they were at Sinai, God kept them there for two years before the cloud moved because he was forming and shaping their values and the morality of his people. He was not in a hurry to get them onto the next thing. We get in a hurry, but God's not in a hurry. He's more interested in what he's forming through his process than what he is addressing through need. So miracles that happen in our story, just like Israel's, they will address true needs of the day. But that's not the end goal. What happens through a miracle is we are able to know God in a new light. We discover aspects of who God is through the miracles. And we're able to strengthen our faith not so that yesterday's faith will last us for the whole journey because we need new faith for each day. We need to choose to trust God, to choose to believe him every single morning and know that today is a great day for a miracle. Can you tell the person next to you that? Today's a great day for a miracle in your life. Amen? So three miracles of provision, one miracle of breakthrough. Let's go to Exodus chapter 15, verse 23 through 25. When they came to the oasis of Marah, the water was too bitter to drink. So they called the place Marah, which means bitter. Then the people complained and turned against Moses. So the water wasn't the only thing that was bitter right there, right? They had a little bit of bitterness coming out. You know, they turned against Moses. They start complaining. What are we going to drink? They demanded. So Moses cried out to the Lord for help. And the Lord showed him a piece of wood. Moses threw it into the water and he made the water good to drink. So God, the first truth that we see here, God can transform bitterness 
into life. I want to I just give you a word of encouragement. Don't get stuck in bitterness. Don't just give in to bitterness. We're not talking only about water. Because then later on in verse 26, God's going to say, you know what? I want to reveal myself to you as Yahweh Rapha. I am the Lord, your healer. But there wasn't physical healing that happened here. It was almost like an analogy of what God can do when he can shift the nature of something that is bitter and turn it into life-giving. What did Jesus say about the Holy Spirit in the book of John? That he would be like a spring of living water that's opened up from within us. That's what God wants. That's God's will for us, is that there would be life flowing from us. The fruit of the Spirit, love, peace, patience, joy, self-control. These are the things, the character of Christ flowing from us. How many of us, sometimes we get tipped over and there's some of the other junk that comes out, right? Maybe it needs to come out. And maybe we need to know that God can change bitterness into life. Maybe we need to surrender our frustrations and our angers and our resentments. And we need to let go of that and say, God, I want you to shift this and change it so that I can have life, a spring of life opened up inside of me. How many say amen to that? Complaining, criticism, turning against leadership, demands, entitlement, nostalgia, pessimism, drama, all of that was inside the cup that got tipped over. And yet God says, you know what? I can show up and I can transform everything. That's the first miracle that we see. Then we go on in uh, Exodus chapter 16, verse 1 through 5. The whole community of Israel set out for Elam and journeyed into the wilderness of sin. That's just the name. It's no relation to, um, to, to, to sin itself as we know it in the English language. Between Elam and Mount Sinai. They arrived there on the 15th day of the second month, one month after leaving the land of Egypt. There too, the whole community of Israel complained about Moses and Aaron. They're pretty good at this. If only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt. Some optimism. They moaned. There we sat around pots filled with meat and ate all the bread we wanted. And now you have brought us into this wilderness to starve us all to death. Then the Lord said to Moses, look, I'm going to rain down food from heaven for you. Every day the people can go out and pick up as much food as they need for the day. I will test them in this to see whether or not they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they will gather food. And when they prepare it, there will be twice as much as usual. Notice how our memories usually are curated and we always idealize what was in the past. We were slaves, but we had pots filled with food and we could eat as much bread as we wanted. And we were so much better off than, than being free now and being in a wilderness. And, and they complain and they, and, and they get bitter and they get pessimistic and they get nostalgic. And this is the attitude that would keep them in the desert. So God is not only providing for their physical needs through miracles of, of sustaining and providing grace, he's also dealing with their mindset, with their hearts, with their perspective. And he's trying to eradicate that. Sometimes I will say to my wife, your kids are doing this or that. And uh, then she will say, no, your kids, your son or your daughter is doing this or that. 
That's kind of how Moses and God uh, would go back. He's got, Lord, your children. And he's like, what do you mean, your children? Your people. And, uh, and they, they had this whole conversation going on. And God's like, you know what? I, I'm about to teach him a little thing or two. And uh, I'm going to give him so much food. So, we're going to turn that coaster over to green as much as you want. As much as you want. You're going to have as much as you need. Exodus 16, verse 13 to 20, that evening vast numbers of quail flew in and covered the camp. And the next morning, the area around the camp was wet with dew when the dew evaporated. A flaky substance as fine as frost blanketed the ground and the Israelites were puzzled when they saw it. What is it? They asked each other. They had no idea what it was. And Moses told them, it is the food the Lord has given you to eat. These are the Lord's instructions. Each household should gather as much as it needs, pick up two quarts for each person in your tent. So the people of Israel did as they were told. Some gathered a lot, some only a little. But when they measured it out, everyone had just enough. Those who gathered a lot had nothing left over, and those who gathered only a little had enough. Each family had just what it needed. Then Moses told them, do not keep any of it until morning. But some of them did not listen and kept it until morning, but then, but by then it was full of maggots and had a terrible smell. Moses was very angry with them. They were like, I brought some Tupperware from Egypt. I got some Ziploc bags with me, and uh, I don't know if God's going to provide tomorrow. I know I got bird in hand today, quail in hand today. I'm not sure about tomorrow, and so we want to hold on to certainty and, and, and let go of trust and let go of faith. And what God is trying to teach us is that we can trust God to sustain us daily on our journey. We can trust God to sustain us daily on our journey. Every day, God will show up because he is faithful. I don't have to cling to yesterday's miracle thinking that he might forget about me tomorrow. I don't have to say, you know what, let's, uh, let's carry a deep freezer with us through the desert just in case we need to kind of ration this manna out. God's like, no, the only day I want you to save manna is on the sixth day so you don't work the seventh. And that's a reminder that I'm your provider and it's not your strength. It's not your efforts. It's not your merit. It's not your vocation. It's not your job. It's not your paycheck that provides for you. I am the provider. I'm the source. And I use the means that I will. Amen. And this is one of the things that God is teaching his people and he's teaching us today. He is the source. He is the sustainer. He is our provider. And he, he will change the means from time to time. We've learned this in our own journey. We don't always get God's provision from where we expect it. Sometimes he will shake. If we have deposited our faith in the means he uses, he might shake that up just to make sure that our faith is in him as a source. And then he will continue to provide through other ways. In fact, it says in Exodus 16, 35, so the people of Israel ate manna for 40 years until they arrived at the land where they would settle. They ate manna until they came to the border of the land of Canaan. We can trust God to sustain us daily on our journey. He is always our source. How many say amen to that? He's always our source. He will change the means that he uses to provide. And then God shifted his means of provision. He was still the source. And then he changed the way he would provide. And then he leaned on them harvesting their own fields. 
So God is our source. He proved that Jehovah or Yahweh Jireh, the Lord our provider, the God of Abraham, was still the God of Israel, and he is still our God as well. Whatever you're facing today, God is true to his word, and you need to have fresh faith each morning to believe that he will show up and he will sustain you. Amen? Manna was a symbolic uh, preview of who Christ would be, the, the bread of God. Manna got maggots and melted and it f- smelled foul after a day. And even the people that ate manna, they passed away. But those of us who discover Christ, who discover faithfulness and God's sustaining work of grace in our life, that brings eternal life into our story. Amen. And so there's this picture. It's almost like a, like a preview of what God would do through Jesus Christ. Exodus 17, ready for the third miracle? Another miracle of provision. 17, verse 3 through 7, but tormented by thirst. Here we go again. It's like they never learned. They're like, okay, you know, I forgot what you did yesterday, and I'm, I'm, I'm upset again today. They continued to argue with Moses. Why did you bring us out of Egypt? Are you trying to kill us, our children and our livestock with thirst? And I can imagine Moses under his breath saying, if I wanted to kill you, you'd be dead already. So then Moses cried out to the Lord, Lord, your children, what should I do with these people? They want to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, walk out in front of the people, take your staff. Remember the staff? The one that I used when you struck the water and the Nile and the, some of the elders, called some of the elders to join you and I will stand before you in the rock of the Mount Sinai. Strike the rock. Then water will come gushing out. Then the people will be able to drink. So Moses struck the rock when he, uh, the way he was told and water gushed out as the elders looked on. Moses named the place Massa, which means test, and Meribah, which means arguing because the people of Israel argued with Moses and tested the Lord by saying, is the Lord with us or not? Thank you so much for the staff. Remember this, Pastor Nate showed the staff, um, same one that Moses, not this one. Okay, I'm not, this is not the same one, lest anyone try to steal it later, right? This is just, this is just a good old Minnesota staff, okay? But it represents Moses' staff. And um, Moses, at the burning bush. What do you have in your hand? Oh, just a stick. Okay, we'll throw it on the ground. Remember we talked about that? A common thing becomes a tool, a supernatural tool in God's hands. Is that not a great truth about who we are? Common, ordinary people in God's hands can accomplish great things. So Moses, the staff, remember the, the, when he was in, in Egypt and there's the different signs and wonders and, and the plagues and one of them was he needed to strike the Nile and I don't know if he did a little tap on the Nile like that, and it turned to blood, or if he did a full-blown like that, right? And it splashed up in slow motion, and then he did a, like, kick at the, and I don't know. Doesn't say much in scripture. All we know is that he struck it, right? And God said, hey, the same, the same one that you used to open up the seas. And he's like, and the, and the seas parted, and then he's like, okay, you remember that staff that I, your staff? Yes, Lord. What a, I already know a few tricks with it. He's like, well, you haven't learned everything that I can teach you yet. So like, are we, are we going to do the whole like that? And he's like, no, I want you to find a rock and hit it. And he's like, Lord, I might break it. He's like, no, you just need to obey. And he went up and he went. Poof. And then there's this gushing water that comes out. 
says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 that that rock is a symbol of Christ, who's the source of living water. And it says that that rock followed them in the desert for 40 years. Christ is an unending source of hope in our story. Truth we learn here is God's grace is greater than our pettiness. Amen. Can you tell that to the person next to you? Say, God's grace is greater than your pettiness. Don't be petty when you say it, though. Final, final miracle, miracle of victory. Exodus chapter 17, you're there with me, verse 8. While the people of Israel were still in Rephidim, the warriors of Amalek attacked them. Moses commanded Joshua, choose some men to go out and fight the army of Amalek for us. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill holding the staff of God. Notice that? Moses, take your staff. And now all of a sudden Moses is aware that this is the staff of God. I've surrendered it to God. This is powerful because it's in God's hands. It's not mine. It's not my skill. It's not my gifting. It's not my wits. It's not my wisdom. It's God's. So he says, holding the staff of God in my hand, so Joshua did what Moses had commanded and fought the army of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses, Aaron, Hur, climbed to the top of a nearby hill. As long as Moses held up the staff in his hand, the Israelites had the advantage. But whenever he dropped his hand, the Amalekites gained the advantage. Moses' arms soon became so tired he could no longer hold them up. So Aaron and Hur found a stone for him to sit on then they stood on each side of Moses, holding up his hands, so his hands held steady until sunset. I love that phrase, steady until sunset. As a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in battle. The truth I find here is that God has set us up for victory. I'm going to ask Pastor Phil to come up, and uh, we're going to call you Moses for a little bit. So can we get up for Pastor Phil here? Come on over. Take the staff for God. So picture this, valleys out here, right? And Joshua's sent out with the army and they're fighting. And then whenever Moses is holding this staff up towards heaven, Joshua, become, he, he begins to overcome and he begins to have victory in the valley. What a powerful image of what prayer and intercession can do. Because even though Moses isn't physically fighting down there, he is advocating on, on behalf of Joshua and on, on behalf of everyone that is fighting physically down below. But then Moses starts to have muscle spasms. And he begins to get tired. His arms are weak. And he's like, and then he notices that as soon as the, st the staff begins to dip, they begin to retreat and they begin to lose in the battlefield. And so then he's like, oh, I, gotta, I gotta do my part. So what a powerful image of teamwork too, right? where everyone's got a part to play. Not all of us have the same role, but we all together fight for the same victory. And Moses, he's, he's like, okay, I can't let my team down, but he's, he's getting, he's, remember, he's like 80-something, right? So I mean, he's, he's getting, he's getting kind of tired, kind of worn out. And Aaron and her, they're, they're next to him. They realize what's going on. And so Aaron and her, we got, we got Aaron and her coming out, and Aaron's bringing a rock. Use your imagination, Okay. <laughs> We thought of rolling a boulder in, but that would have taken a bit of time. So they sit him down, and then they each take one of his arms, and they hold his arms steady until sunset. 
They hold his arms steady until the victory is achieved. I love the, the picture that this paints. Moses, in the next chapter, is going to learn from his father-in-law that it's foolish to try to do everything by yourself. In fact, Jethro is going to say, you know what? You're going to kill yourself. You're going to kill the people with you. It's dumb. You're being foolish by trying to be independent. We know that we can't be independent from God, but oftentimes we want to be independent from other people. We don't want to show vulnerability, weakness. We don't want to show that we got muscle spasms going on. We're like, I got control over everything that's going on, right? And, and Moses is able to be in the place of recognizing that God has placed an Aaron next to him, a herb next to him, and that they are able to hold up his arms when his strength is not enough. Hey, if Jesus himself in the Garden of Gethsemane called his three best friends and said, please pray with me because my heart is sad unto death, if he knew how to reach out for help, how much more do we need to know how to reach out for help? And say, you know what? I need people in my life that can hold my arms up when I feel that I am weak. Amen? So who is that Aaron for you? And who is that her for you? Who are the people that strengthen your faith? Not the ones that, that are good allies and that, and that pamper you and, and agree with everything you say. You don't need approval. You need encouragement. Amen? You need someone that'll hold you up until you see God's victory accomplished. You don't need people to say, you know what, that looks kind of heavy. Why don't you just set it down? <laughs> who are the people that build up your faith? And another question, who are you meant to be an Aaron or a her to? Because we're also overlapping with someone else's story. And we're meant to lift others' hands up. It says in Ecclesiastes that it's better to be together than to walk alone. If someone is walking alone and they fall, they don't have anyone to pick them up. But two will earn more for their wages. Two can fight off an army if they're together back to back. We have been designed by God to find strength in the unity with the people that he's brought into our journey. Amen? Can we give it up for Pastor Phil, Aaron, and her? Thank you, guys. Oh, sorry, Moses, not Pastor Phil. I don't know what you're facing today, if you're like in the first week in the desert or you're, you're 39 and a half. I do know this. God is our source. He will sustain us. God will provide for us daily. He will sustain for us daily. He is his grace. is greater than any of the, 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 the petty habits that we've developed over the journey. And he's given us everything. He has set us up for victory. Whatever you're facing, God is faithful and he is able. Amen. Would you stand with me? We're going to take a moment to pray and respond to his word today. We're going to pray for miracles. Miracles are for today. How many believe that miracles are for today? Amen. Sometimes it's easier for us to believe for someone else. We're like, yeah, I, I think God will, you know, it's like that. You're part of a drawing and yeah, I never win those. You know, someone else is going to win it for sure, right? Let me just say this. We're not going to need miracles in eternity because there will be no more sickness. There will be no more death. There'll be streets of golds. You know, we won't have infirmity. We won't have tears. 
to cry. Justice will be established completely. So miracles are God's way of giving us a preview of the hope that awaits us. It's heaven stepping into today's fallen, broken world. And when we believe and we make room for that, God says, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take care of your need and I'm going to reveal myself to you in a new, powerful way. The miracle might last for a season, but the lesson will last for a lifetime. Amen. So we're going to pray for that today. And I want to start by praying for the following. I'm going to ask everyone to just close your eyes for a moment. Open your hearts. The one miracle that is eternal. Every miracle is temporary, but there's one that's eternal, and that's the miracle of salvation, the miracle of a changed life, a transformed life, of forgiveness and grace from God. So if you're far from God today, you've drifted away, you've never had a relationship with him, today there is a miracle within reach for you. Jesus died on the cross so that you could find forgiveness and a fresh start, a new beginning. And he will take what's broken and he will make you new. And from this day on, you can walk knowing that there is peace, there is purpose, there is forgiveness. There is a whole new life that he's designed and called you to live. So how many would say, you know what? I'm far from God today and I want to turn from my sin and I want to turn to Jesus and ask him to be my Lord and Savior with eyes closed and hearts open. How many would say that? Can you just raise your hand where you're at? This is between you and God and just saying, you know what? I'm far from God. I want to turn to Jesus. I want the miracle of a transformed life. God bless you. God bless you. The main floor up in the balcony. God bless you. You believe with your heart and then you make a statement with your mouth, with a prayer. And we're going to do that together today. Can we do this? Can you say this prayer with me? Repeat it after me. Make it your own in church. Play along. Pray along as well and just say, dear Jesus, Thank you for loving me so much that you died on the cross for my sin. And today I turn from my sin and I turn to you. And I receive your forgiveness. And I receive your hope. And I believe that you're alive today. And I ask you to be my Lord and Savior from this day on. It's in your name that I pray. Amen. 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 Can we just celebrate every decision that was made today? Man, I want to pray for one more thing before we go into a song. We're going to believe for miracles today. But there's something that God's put on my heart that I think is, is very important to address. And it's a miracle in our mindsets, in our perspective. That's the one thing that can extend the desert beyond how long it should actually last. If we get stuck in bitterness, in frustration, in anger, in resentment, we get stuck in, a, in an attitude of lack of belief in God, lack of trust in God, we're going to extend the period of our testing. And I want to I pray that God will bring a renewing of the mind. That's what it says, that God, we're able to discover the good, perfect, pleasing will of God when our minds are renewed, when he gives us his perspective and we move away from a mindset where we drag the slavery of Egypt with us wherever we go. And so I wanna pray today for all those who would say, you know what, I need God to bring a renewal of my mind. So with all eyes closed, just to make this a, 
a personal uh, moment between you and God, how many would say, I need, I need a miracle of a renewal in my mind? I need to move away from, from uh, pessimism. I need to move away from, from bitterness. I need to move away from anger. I need to move away from, from drama. I need to move away from complaining. I need to move into a space where God would, would bring life, where he would bring faith, where he would give me hope, that he would give me his perspective, his attitude. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every hand that's raised up high right now. It is your work, Holy Spirit, to renew and refresh our mindsets, our perspective, our mind. You've taught us, God, to fix our eyes, our attention, our focus on you. And as we do, God, you begin to change the way we see. We might not see change in our circumstances, but our attitudes change, God, because we've had an encounter with you. And I pray for that miracle right now in the lives of my brothers and sisters. Lift God the weight, lift God the attitude, lift the anger, lift the frustration, lift the bitterness, God, and transform it into life, into belief, into faith, into hope, into joy, into peace now in the name of Jesus. Let your peace that goes beyond all understanding guard every heart and every emotion, every mind, and keep them anchored and secured in Christ. In the name of Jesus, we pray. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for the work that you're accomplishing even right now. In the name of Jesus. Thank you for joining us. We pray that you are encouraged and blessed by today's message. Check out emmanuelcc.org for faith resources, how to get plugged into community, or to join us live on Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. We are so excited to see what God is going to do. The best is yet to come.